So, guys, you can leave. Let me just tell the makeup department in the church. Oh, yeah, everybody. Don't worry about it. Go. You guys can go out and 15 people? That's Herculean <laughs> task. Um, okay, so 20 years. 20 years what day? 20 years as a church, the 23rd of July. That was the first Sunday, huh? That was our very first Sunday. Okay. 20 years as a family, uh, the 28th of February. So. 28th of February. Wow. So you're in at, Ireland. Oh, you hit the ground running yeah. pretty fast, February to July. Yeah, we didn't expect that. We didn't expect that to happen. That was surprise. That was a definite, definite surprise. Okay. Okay. So let me sure. let me just do a little intro of you, and we're just and we'll just start after it. Okay. Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. I am thrilled, thrilled, Ray, to be joined by Ray Clancy today. I'm thrilled to be joined by Ray Clancy today, an old friend, and I stress old, an old friend, <laughs> um, a, a mentor, a fellow pastor, although once upon a time, uh, my pastor, uh, and not just a fellow pastor, but my pastor in Ireland, and someone I have known since 2000, and I guess it's been about 15 years. 15 years. Ray Clancy and family are near and dear to me. They had a beautiful little church in Ireland and Galway in the West. And I've asked Ray to come on the program today to talk to us a little bit about his life and ultimately about the call to Ireland, the call to ministry, planting churches, the challenge of, of ministering the gospel in a, in a very secular space, all sorts of fun things I'm sure we'll get into. But Ray Clancy, thank you so much for letting uh, me call you in the middle of your day, I'm sure. In the middle of the day? It's early morning. I mean, no, it's Ireland, there's no life in <laughs> Ireland at six in the morning. So maybe the cows and the roosters, that's about it. Here's, no. the, thing about, here's the thing about you, uh, a good place to jump in. You... Correct me if I'm wrong. You were not sort of, you did not grow up a a strong sort of committed Bible believing Christian from your youths. You you came to the Lord a little bit later in life in some ways. Would you say that's is that? Yeah, thirty two. Thirty two. Okay, so tell me, there's more or less. 32. How did you come to know the Lord? Like how did how did you grow up? Were you raised in the church at all? I was raised in a, a Catholic family. Um, mom being a Sicilian. Dad being an Irish Catholic and uh, was raised in the church and was a good Catholic boy, did very, very good. Thought about uh, being a priest for my early, early years. And um, as a young kid, as a young kid um, but yeah, the, um, the deadness of wanting to be married never went away. Uh -huh. um, and so I uh, knew that wasn't it. And um, along with other things, got married. Uh, you know, to Rebecca in 1986, and um, both of us were Catholic. Yeah, things started off great. We were young. We had two businesses. We um, did okay. We had a cleaning business, uh, a janitorial business. We owned. Um, I was in the jewelry business for for 
most of my youth. And so I ran jewelry stores. When we got married, I didn't want to do that any longer, work those long hours in a mall. So we opened up a couple of businesses. One was the janitorial business, which did very good and expanded very quickly. Uh, a lot of pressure for a young married couple. And then I opened up a retail, uh, not retail, I'm sorry, uh, wholesale jewelry as well. Everything was great, living the life. And um, in 1991, uh, not only was, it, was there a recession in California, um, but uh, my our marriage just, the recession, there was a financial recession in California, um, which affected, of course, those are luxury businesses, janitorial and uh, jewelry. Okay. So both our businesses were hit very hard. Rebecca was working at the phone company, actually. She was in management with the phone company and was laid off. So very quickly, about 65, 70% of our income was gone. Um, we were already having very bad marriage problems, which just, you know, accelerated everything. Rebecca and I were talking. And so, um, yeah, things were pretty bad. And so basically, um, when I was managing a jewelry store, um, I hired a Christian and a part-timer, a lot of, a lot of backstory on that one, which is just amazing, but I hired this a Christian. And uh, she would basically, without us really knowing, um, I I had one of my girls in the in the one of the other sales ladies in the in the uh, uh, store was Jewish. Uh, another young man of mine was Catholic as well, and myself. But we would on on when we would all work together, when I'd have a schedule together, she would um, basically be giving us a Bible study and uh, correcting our false thinking and did it that. And, uh, and I had a few other Christian friends. Um, I was very um, anti, uh, we'll call them born agains. Yeah. I was, didn't the weirdos. enjoy them, yeah. uh, trust them. Yeah, the weirdos. What's that? Like they were the, they're the, the, kind the, the, the wacky ones, yeah. I mean, there was, there was reasons and there was other reasons. But anyhow, there was enough that when I would go home, I would think about what she said. Mm. Yeah didn't give her that advantage point when we were talking, but I would think about things. And I just remember there was one day, it was sometime in October, 1991. And um, things were so bad. Things were just so very, very bad in my life. So bad. I, because of everything had uh, very bad temper tantrums and uh, would just go off the rail and um, just very bad. Things were very, very bad. I just remember being in my house. I was alone thinking about things, thinking about Christian friends, and um, just fell on my knees at that moment, cried out to God for help. And um, yeah, and I, I can just tell you, I was a different person. Um, I just felt like the weight of the world was off my shoulders when I got up off the ground. And um, with the grace of God, I have never looked back, you know. Um, it's been a very long process of sanctification. And so, uh, <laughs> as you know me very well, but um, a lot of kicking against the goads. But, um, but yeah, um, that was that. And so um, Rebecca would have come to the Lord uh, a year later. Okay. So, yeah. So, you, so, that, so that's a bit of a, uh, that year then, when you start turning toward the Lord in an obvious or serious way, but it's another year before you guys are more or less kind of on the same page or did things start improving the because when Rebecca actually, God thing, the God thing was that um, Rebecca became pregnant with Alex. Mm -hmm. And so, um, which kept us together. Mm. And so in that very short period of time, I became, I was by the grace of God came to know the Lord. And um, 
and then shortly after that so what happened was shortly i was going still to mass every every single day i would go to mass um, as a good catholic boy because i had the businesses i had i mean i had plenty of my own time and at some point i was actually um just at the house again working in my office and um went to go put on a, a station and i went too far on the radio and i actually ended up on k-wave you know oh right and, um at that very moment was the church i ended up going to i didn't know it was the church i didn't know where it was i just for the first time in my life actually heard a bible study somebody sit down and open up now i had probably been a christian at this point this is june of 92 so that long i was just going to mass all by myself and and you know and reading the bible by myself uh now i hear somebody expound the word and and it was amazing and um, i went back the very next day at the same time listened to them again turned out that they were having a fellowship and so i remember calling them up and finding out that it was actually in ontario california and calling them up and asking what does this mean this fellowship you know and they said well it's a bible study and i said well can i bring my bible and you know and yes <laughs> laughing laughing and so uh uh so i remember you know i mean you know me pretty well yeah. i mean you and i have a good time and we joke around but i'm pretty shy i mean yeah. i'm i won't go off into places by myself if i know people so i remember calling rebecca things aren't great still um and i remember calling rebecca up and asking her if she would go to a bible study with me and now i don't know what's going through her mind but you know <laughs> we can talk about the story enough yeah. so and the immediately the first thought in her mind was where why would i go anywhere with you you know <laughs> and uh but at the same time, immediately her next thought process was, how can you say that to a Bible study? How can you say no to a Bible study? Mm -hmm. And also, if I don't go, I know he won't go. So we went and um, it, was a, it was amazing. Um, we went into the, the church. I didn't want to go inside. It was a beautiful summer evening. They had big screen TVs out on the, on the patio. So we stayed out there and for the first time in my life, I actually, I, I listened to the Bible study. The Bible study was actually on marriage. And so it was amazing, God thing. <laughs> but I remember really watching men for the first time in my life, um, loving their wives mm. and going, this is amazing. And the people like they knew us like for 10 years, it was, it was like they were treating us so nice. And, and then I was watching the men, how they treated their children. And I was just thinking, this is I'm not, am I even on planet earth at this moment? You know, it was so different from the, the, the world I lived in. Right. And so, um, yeah, so we started doing Wednesday night Bible studies at um, that particular church. And then uh, Sundays would go to mass. And that all changed when it came time to baptize Alex. So yeah. Alex already at this point now is what, that's about four months old, you know, and um that was a crisis of our early faith is because as a catholic you had to baptize that child right. or if that child died you know right there goes eternity for that child um and as a christian now i'm learning i'm at bible college at this point and i'm learning that no that's not the case and so um yeah there was a crisis of the faith and so i actually talked to some of the pastors up at the bible college then i went and talked to the priest and uh, asked him his opinion. And he actually just prayed. I prayed and Rekha went in with me and I was just praying before that God would speak to this priest. And the priest actually said to me that, you know, 
he would he believes more on dedicating children than baptizing children and i thought that is incredible and so we left and we then started going to uh christian church full-time at that point point. and so then i mean you kind of i don't know fast track but as you say you as you said when you when you hit the deck you never look back and so you keep moving forward next step next step now you're in bible college you're telling me you're you're moving forward into these things is it because you have these businesses and so you have time or is it just you you're feeling called by the lord to like dig deeper just independently is there a goal in mind of like going to bible college or you're just going because you just want to know one i i really needed to know the truth i was able to pass any test you gave me as far as catholicism i knew nothing of god's word and so um i needed to know the more i more i learned at church on sundays and wednesdays the more i was hungry there was just not enough um as far as time i had plenty of time my businesses the businesses did well um, I wasn't looking to be wealthy. I was looking to just be able to spend time with my family right. always, even as, you know, a non-believer, I just wanted to spend time with my family. And so, um, I had the time I was able to go up to the Bible college and do that. I served at the church. I served in the radio ministry. And so that's kind of how, um, things started happening is in a very short period of time. So this was 92 now. So for the next two years, so, um, at some point in 94, the pastor of that church that I was going to uh, also taught once in a while at the Bible college. So he would see me at the Bible college, but he would also come to the church and see me serving. Right. So the question was, who is this guy? You talk about screen. Yeah. I mean, it's a big church. It's a mega church, right? So it's not uh, like- Not at this time. It was probably about a thousand people at this time. Okay. So- Most technically still. Yeah. But I mean, you're saying- It's a big church. There's not 20 yeah. people. So he's like, huh. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, there's probably just under a thousand at this point. In fact, they're still in Ontario at this point. And um, because the church was growing a little bit more of a rapid rate, um, and he was asking about me to some of the guys, do you guys even know who this is? I mean, how does he have time to be in a Bible college? How does he have time to be here? I know he has a family because I used to bring my family up to the Bible college. I used to bring Rebecca. I used to bring up, you know, Philip with me. He was a baby. And so uh, Alex as well, when she was tiny, Rebecca would take her up there and uh, going into the nursing room and listen to the lectures. And yeah. so basically the guys said, oh yeah, and then, you know, they told him who I was. And then I owned you know, a janitorial business and um, I was in jewelry and D D D D. So the, the pastor just pulls aside the administrator and says, um, you know, the church is growing. We need someone to organize what to do, how to clean this place. And, and at this point they were already about to buy 14 acres at a new the new property with right. buildings on it all that move in yeah. and so and at that point once we moved in that building which was probably a year later the, the church just exploded i mean we left it the church was floating around six thousand, you know within just five yeah. years yeah. yeah so they asked if uh, i get a call saying will you come in and talk and so i went in and they said um listen we don't want you to be the cleaner we want you to establish a cleaning ministry and uh, get the supplier, show us what to use, dee, 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 uh, uh, and don't ever worry about uh, losing your position. We all, there's always more ministry to do. And so I said, great. So I came on staff. I got rid of the businesses, and um, which I was already, God was already closing my heart towards those. And so I got rid of the businesses and started working full-time in the church. And um, within six months, um, God brings me a wonderful sister in the Lord, who basically just takes over the entire ministry for me. She learns everything from me. She 
organizes it and she's now running it. She's got, she got, we probably have a seven, eight, nine volunteers now. Hmm. So I have nothing to do. I mean, she's taken the whole thing from me <laughs> at that point. Um, the pastor had asked, um, there was a, the Bible college, they were looking for satellite schools and we became one of the first three satellite schools. And, um, so basically I was running, then I started running the Bible college became an assistant pastor as well at the same time. And then from there, I just started getting more and more ministries. I mean, the assistant pastor thing though, like, do you, did you, was that more like, oh, this is like a functional thing. I mean, did you feel called to be a pastor? Did you feel called to, to take on at least what most people think of when they think of that, maybe outside of the context of a very large church with a lot of pastors? Um, you say, yeah, pastor, someone's thinking teaching the Bible, counseling yeah, no. people, but that's not what that was at that moment. I was counseling. I was way too young. <laughs> way too young in the Lord. Not young in age. I was way too young in the Lord. Um, I, I, a lot of it was flesh. Um, I, I mean, I relied and, and prayed and things like that, but there was still a lot of more flesh than spirit. And so um, in me, a real battle. And so, um, yeah, I, I ran um, several ministries and um, counseled, did uh, marriage counseling and um, didn't besides the bible college i wouldn't teach like on sunday mornings or sunday nights or anything like that as far as the church i would my teaching would be mainly in the bible college um which i tried not to do i would try to get guest speakers i would get guys around there was plenty plenty uh within that denomination plenty of pastors around the area you know there was one um almost in every corner and so um would call them up and they would teach and so um, the hard thing was I wasn't paid to study. So my study time had to come out of my personal time, right. which meant home and things like that. So uh, long days between ministries, running ministries and counseling. And then how do you go from a more or less an administrative kind of role, even if it's called assistant pastor, but largely you're good at administering, you're good at kind of organizing, you're good at making things productive. How do you go from, from that place to where, you know, not where I met you, but where you, where you could feel called to be on your own as a church planting, like pastor without any <laughs> help. Or, I mean, like, that seems like a huge difference, right? From, from wanting other people to speak instead of you to, oh yeah, let's, let's go to a different country to start a church by ourselves and I'll be the only pastor. <laughs> grace, grace, <laughs> grace. Um, but just internally, right? Like I know guys in the church. I never wanted to be a pastor, yeah. ever. Right. Never. I enjoyed doing what I did. Right. I know that I'm gifted. I know that I'm a gifted administrator. I, right. I have no problems. In fact, some of that might be, I rely a little bit more on my flesh even. Because you were you were gifted. Um, it's just a gift before, that God has given me before you became a serious Christian. Yeah, I mean that was a skill yes. set. Yeah, you just. I mean, to. I ran jewelry stores yeah. and I ran. I had my business and I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been running jewelry. I've been in in, in, in some sort of uh, lore management um, since I was eighteen years old. You know, but never did I want to be a pastor. Never, ever, ever would I have thought. I still pinch myself and think, what is, going you know, um, never would I have thought I would have been in a foreign country. I mean, my, the biggest thing I did and the biggest thing I ever did before I was, before Ireland was 
uh, I went to Seattle once a year with, you know, I worked for Weissfield's Jewelers, if anybody remembers that, you know, that was the headquarters. I'd go to Weissfield's up there once. So that was my farthest trip I've ever been in, in my life. You know, BC days, Vegas, um, summer, San Diego, Coronado Island, you know. <laughs> you had a tight circle. <laughs> you know, ask me to move. Yeah, ask me to move Rialto to Chino was, would have been a big move. <laughs> ask me to move to another state would have been, wow. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. Maybe counseling. Yeah. Uh, ask me to move to another country. <laughs> it's like probably, you know, drug me and, and kidnap me and bring me over. But I mean, so how, yeah, did I was, yeah. so how did he do it? So how did it happen? How did, how did you get to that point? Lots, but lots in between. Because that's a, a yeah, other yeah. set of risks. Like, and I, I know we are jumping quite a bit there, but how do you get to being, yeah, in this role, super comfortable capable skill set all that kind of stuff but not just making a decision for yourself but but making a decision that would literally move your your family young kids absolutely huge commitment for the rest of their lives you're making a decision for them absolutely um so how does the lord start to like maybe uh knock at the at the heart yeah it was funny I'll, i'll tell you what happened just before that i just remember shortly before this all started i remember pulling out of our uh, our house now at this point we lived in a nice beautiful house on the corner well well landscaped my <laughs> rebecca has now quit her job um when she was making very good money at the phone company and management uh-huh. quit her job she is now a full-time mom with four children um we just had um well uh three children at that point she's pregnant so with, with three children and um we had refinanced the house. Our house payment was $500 a month. I figured the worst thing, if, if anything ever bad happened, I can go to McDonald's and flip hamburgers and make sure. my house payment, you know? So bills are paid and I'm pulling out of the house and it's so picture perfect. And there's my beautiful family, my wife and my three children at that time, all at the living room window, waving goodbye to daddy as he goes off to church, you know? And I was just thanking God going, Lord, you are so good. Everything we've prayed for, best ministries you've given me, this house, my family, bills are paid. Lord, thank you. It had to be within weeks, a week, maybe even days. Um, I'm in my, I'm doing devotions. I'm in Romans 10. And as I'm reading Romans 10, just, uh, it was just really just the Lord led in my heart. That was you as a Catholic you know, this zeal, the zeal without knowledge. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And I was pondering on that and went back the following day and I was reading it. And Rebecca was in, in, with me in the room that day. She was doing something else. And, and um, as I was reading it, I just got this impression about Ireland. Nothing, nothing at all. I mean, just this impression, just that um, this is the Irish, you know, again, as a, a Catholic nation, this, this zeal without knowledge, you know, and just this thought, <laughs> this impression, pressing on my heart that I need to go to Ireland. And so I remember just, I can't, I can't even explain to you, it was just an impression on my heart. And I remember telling Rebecca at that point and Rebecca just saying, there's just no way. I mean, you know, this is home. The church is our home, you know? And I said, yeah, I just said, it's probably just in my head, you know? And so at that point, it never went away. God started just doing this digging in my heart. And um, Rebecca pretty much quickly, God just, sealed her. I mean, I would say it was in her private time, personal time with the Lord. 
I would say if it wasn't days, it was weeks. Then she was already ready to pack up and move to Ireland. I, on the other hand, um, dug my roots in very deep and was not going to move. Did everything I could. I started doing the backyard. I started (laughs) house, you know, uh, everything. I took on new new ministries at the church so that it would be, I was so. Entrench yourself uh, even further. The church, the I I over uh, because of my retail experience at that point. Now I was running a bookstore, uh, the bookstore as well. The bookstore, um, I mean, we had six thousand built-in clients. You know, wow. um, the bookstore was so busy that people would have to queue out the bookstore to get in on Sundays. And so we were building a a, a two-story bookstore at this point. You know, and my goal was to start publishing uh, my pastor's book, so I would have you know started doing that kind of stuff. So I was just digging myself more and more into ministry, and not even, but it was like little things these little things like um nobody 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 knew we had just a few prayer partners that were like you david just that we trusted so much that would never ever break our trust so um a few people that were praying with us about this is it god is it flesh little things like busy sunday morning you couldn't even move in the in, in the bookstore i'm in the bookstore just talking to customers and um one of the girls at the register called me over and she hands me a credit card and the credit card's a bank of Ireland credit card. And I look at the young lady and I said, Oh, you're from Ireland. She goes, I am. She goes, every time I come to California, I come to this church and da, 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 da. And I said, Oh, I said, you know, I said, it's funny. I said, my wife and I have been praying recently about, um, is God calling us to Ireland to start a Bible study? Not making this up. She started crying right there and said are you saying that you're going to start a bible study like this verse by verse there in ireland i said yeah she goes you have to come to to uh you know as as ministries you never get sundays off i got a rare sunday off it was football season we drive to my wife's family's house settle in into the chair watching (laughs) an afternoon of football very first commercial comes on and it's Aer lingus (laughs) <laughs> and the and the theme that year in 1999 was can you afford not to come <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it was like oh my gosh it was just little things like that where i would start dreaming i would think about it it just never went away it never went away when i was awake or when i was asleep got worse and worse and worse and of course you know um people tell you you know don't let your pastor know um because you, you know, you know, you could have a divided heart. And so I just didn't feel that way. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to go and tell the, our, our senior pastor what's going on and just see what, maybe give me some advice or, you know, at this point, I mean, the church is a big church. I mean, maybe God just wants us to go there and there's missionaries there that we need to support. Maybe there's a need that we need to see. And again, we could meet um maybe it's maybe it's not me having him go to, to ireland and uh so uh we went there and we talked to him and he was so understanding and he just said listen you go i won't even bother you about it when you're ready to talk you talk when you get back now at this point rebecca is eight months pregnant with our youngest child wow. and so we go to ireland for two weeks and we've had some protocol meetings with a pastor who had moved over here from Ireland and was teaching us. And his, his only advice to us really was you have to just don't even drive around Ireland, just get situated in Dublin and plant churches from Dublin. And so um, we, we, we 
we held that. I mean, he's wise, and we kept that in the back of our mind. So we we started in Cork, and we just drove around for two weeks. <laughs> My eight-month pregnant wife and I just walking, talking to people, praying, and uh, we got to Dublin, and we knew without a shadow of a doubt that we were not called to Dublin. I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, it was we left, I think, on a Saturday, and it was Thursday evening, if I remember right. And um, I know nothing of Ireland. Yeah. And so. You know me, David, so well. I am such an emotional big baby. And so <laughs> Rebecca's in bed asleep, fast asleep. It's like one or two in the morning. And I'm deciding, in case we die, I have to write our will. <laughs> and I'm, I'm crying like a big baby during all this. You know, here's, here's our riches, and here's who has our children. <laughs> and so... You know, we're doing these, I'm doing this and, and I'm praying and I just started praying and I just thought, Lord, please do not allow us to come back in two weeks where we are now, not knowing what you've called us to do. Right. And again, I, at that very moment, <laughs> just Galway got just again, just came to my head, impressed to my heart. I've never heard of Galway. I didn't know there was a city in Ireland called Galway. <laughs> and um, so I walk over to the encyclopedias and I opened up and there it is, Galway, Ireland, west coast of Ireland, small little village, dee, 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 dee. And so little town or city, you know, and um, I remember I, I walked over, I woke up Rebecca and I said, I said, do you really, Rick, I think, I really think God is calling us that we're going to be living in Galway. And she looked at me and she says, no, we know it's Dublin. Go to bed, you know? And uh, so going fast forward on that trip in 99, our, our spying out trip, you know, when we got to Galway, we knew that we knew that we knew that was home. Wow. And um, God just really settled in our heart that no, that you're being called here. And, um, that began another adventure so we'd come back to america and that just starts a whole new yeah well and and to maybe to just to cap this like first sort of part um what about that question about being a pastor on your own starting a church i mean that you're going I was there. too naive yeah i was way way too naive would i recommend you suddenly willing to be the guy who taught all the time who was the was doing all of that, um, even though you were leaving all this stuff that we were much more familiar with, much more comfortable with. Much more, yeah. Yeah. And I remember that even uh, the, our senior pastor at the time said to me, you're, you're, you're not a, a pastor teacher, you're an administrator, that's your gifting. And I absolutely agreed with him. And I said, um, you're absolutely right. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there's 500 men in our men's groups here Right. I can do what I do here mm. and probably better than what I do here. Mm. And there's no one going there right. because there were good churches here. When we got to Galway, there were, there were good churches. There's like, they weren't like waiting for superstar us to get over here. You know, uh, nobody was calling us. Nobody even knew who we were nor cared. No. Um, you know, uh, there were good churches, but what the big difference for me was when I left Catholicism, I deeply enjoyed expository teaching, exegetical teaching, just someone taking a book and slowly going through that book verse by verse, you know? And so 
there was nothing like that. There was good churches teaching topical teachings. Once in a while, they would do, they would expound on a book, but it would be more very large segments. We saw the need here. So we thought if that's what we needed, there has to be other people as well. So knowing that I am not, you know, (laughs) the pastor teacher of the majority, um, there was just a need and we just decided to fill it. And we decided to try to do it as quick as possible because we know people at that time that were said that they were called to be church planters. Uh, We never use the word missionaries because that's a bad term here. Uh, Church planting is what we've always meant, though. Mm -hmm. So we're church planters, but we would go back five, six years later, and they're still there at the church. They never left, you know, and so we didn't want to be like that. We just thought, let's just do it. And so, yeah, the other question was, uh, again, being shy, I'm not a real evangelistic. I'm not one to go on the streets and, you know, um, but the Lord, again, just laid in my heart that just as he brought the animals to Noah, um, he would bring people to our church. As soon as we took that step, the doors flung. It was like it was like an avalanche. There was nothing that could stop it. It was like it was so slow, and God was so gracious with me. Of those two, three years that I was digging in my roots, as soon as we put that foot forward and said, "Okay, Lord," and and again, there was uh, J.P. Ohanan's message that he gave um, on a Mother's Day that changed. You know, just again, there all these little background things that God was just changing our hearts and it was that day that we just decided i just said lord i mean here am i i actually said that lord here am i use me and from that moment on it was a, a wave that we couldn't stop it just never stopped doors were opening confirmation there was no having to you know kick in the doors um it was just god affirming and you have the blessing of your pastor you have you have a group that's praying for you and with you, a close group of accountability. Um, but you are now more or less out there on your own as a young family with young kids in a new country. You who would have been nervous about moving across town <laughs> in a previous life <laughs> has now been called across the sea to Ireland. So, so when you get there, how do you then say, all right, here's how to start a church in, okay. a, in a very sort of historically religious, you know, Catholic, you know, and deeply, you know, sort of incredibly historic sort of place for Christianity all the way back to the early sort of missionaries to Patrick, but, but you know, even like Northumbria and Ionia, you have, you have just a, yeah. quite a history there. Of, of just the mission in Ireland and things like that. How do you entering into that as an American? I remember being there as an American. You know, you're an American. It'll just sound like a tourist. <laughs> you're always looking for the family farm somewhere and people are pointing you in the wrong direction and having a laugh behind your back because you're yet another American looking for, looking for your crest or whatever. How do, you, how do you hit the ground in a place where you are very obviously not Irish? even though your father, on your father's side, you have that, that heritage. Right. Uh, right. What, what is it like saying, okay, we're gonna plant the church here in Galway? Though, um, such a great relationship with uh, my pastor, um, did not, we did not get sent out. We went out on our own. Okay. So we were not, we did not get sent out full, supported by the church or all that. Um, we were allowed to, if anybody wanted to support us or the ministry, uh, well, there was no ministry then, but support us, that was fine. But um, 
what had to happen was we had to sell our house. And again, there was a lot of backstory and a lot of God stuff in that as well. But um, the thing is, once we sold the house and everything, that was our money to live on. So when we came to Ireland, uh, we came to Ireland with 10 months worth of income and that was it. So if we were wrong in all this, we would go back embarrassed, we figured. A good experience, we learned a lot. The kids got to go to Europe for 10 months, but it wasn't of God and we weren't gonna push it. You know, so um, that is how we came here. We came here um, with 17 pieces of luggage, four children at this point now, our, our youngest is 10 months. And uh, yeah, with 10, that was it. We had, we knew we had 10 months and that was it. The first month is so easy because you're busy looking for a place to live. You're, you're just busy. You're get busy getting used to things. Um, we, the children were, I mean, they were in a bubble. I mean, we were in a church of 6,000 people, uh, homeschool. Uh, we were on the campus every single day, my, my family. They were around Christians. All they heard was Christian music, Christian speech. Um, and as you know, Ireland is not exactly Christian speech. So um, <laughs> what a shock for everybody. And so we come here and it's this a totally different world. And um, so we thought we would continue homeschooling, keeping as much possibly as normal as, as, as we could. So we homeschooled the children for, for a bit. And so, um, yeah, so the first, the first month was pretty busy. Um, the first week was looking for a house. Um, and that was funny because that kind of determined where, um, you know, Kind of a few things but we looked for a house we had to get a car you had to get the the bank accounts and all that 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 takes a good month and then after that i remember writing a letter so this was now probably end of march first part of april and writing a letter to my pastor and saying i woke up one morning i just remember i woke up one morning i had nothing else to do now we're in our house everything's back you know and now i woke up and for the first time you know, we were so busy moving to Ireland and getting ready for Ireland. And now we're in Ireland and having to get settled. And now for the first time in so long, there was nothing to do. I mean, literally nothing to do. And so I uh, wrote to my pastor and I just said, what am I to do? And I still have it actually. I still have the, the paper here. And he said, just um, stay in the word, pray and wait. And I thought, okay, so I typed it up on an A4 sheet. I stuck it up on my wall and I would just, that was it. And so stayed in the word every day, prayed. And that was basically it. We had a couple people come over who were thinking about serving with us. And so over the period of time, all changed in around June. We got a call from a pastor um, who was a friend of our pastor's. Um, I think they're on each other's boards. And um, he was down in Cork. He was doing ministry down in Cork, uh, about three hours to the south of us. And so um, he knew we were there. He wanted to encourage us. So he says, hey, I, and I've got a group of musicians with me. And uh, we'd love to just come up, see what you're doing, encourage you. And uh, if, if you can find us some street ministry, great. We'd love to do some street music and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So at that point now, Rebecca and I are like, okay, so they're coming up. We better find a place to have, just in case people want to come to church, we better have a church. And so um, drove around. We spent, I don't know, a couple of days, few days driving around Galway looking for a place to meet. And um, uh, 
God was opening doors. People have said who we knew, you know, over the last few months, we got to know them, business owners um, at coffee shops. They said to us, yeah, sure, you, we'll give you the coffee shop. Let your friends play here. You know, I don't care if it's Christian music. Don't worry, that's fine. Da, 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 da. So we're seeing God doing this amazing stuff. And so we're driving around, nothing great for the church. And so we're driving by the Galway Bay Hotel there on the prom. And Rebecca goes, hey, let's go in there and ask. And I thought, uh, no, um, why would we go to it? You know, couldn't afford that. Right. And, um, and uh, Rebecca goes, look at what God's been doing. Let's just do it. And I thought, okay, so let's go. And God gave us such favor with that woman um, uh, that we met that day. And um, yeah, so she would love, wanted to have us. She loved to have us. She made it to where we couldn't say no. And uh, so we thought, okay, this is where the church will be. And it's funny, we're still at this church 20 years later. Um, love them. Great. Can I do an advertisement for them? Yeah. And so, uh, well, okay. Oh. Just people who haven't been to the area of the world you're talking about, just describe, yeah. describe, uh, describe Galway a little bit, but describe where that hotel is. Describe okay. the bay. You know, what, what is it like? Galway is on the west of Ireland. It is, um, the west of Ireland is, if you're coming to Ireland, you, you definitely want to. I mean, Ireland's beautiful everywhere. Um, but the west of Ireland is majestic. I mean, it is absolutely beautiful. Kerry, Clare, Mayo, all that. But Galway is unique. Galway is a very artsy town. Um, it is um, lots of festivals um, from early music festivals, art festivals, um, various, again, music festivals, uh, horse racing. And so it is lively and it is never, hardly ever sleeps. And I mean, we are right on the bay going out to the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and so, yeah, our church um, is located on the promenade in Salt Hill, which is a little village uh, in Galway. And so it is <laughs> right on the bay. So you look out the window of the hotel and you see the bay in front of you across across the bay is county clare you know uh the famous cliff cliffs of moore um is right there so i mean you can't see them they're just around the bend but um we are in a beautiful part of the world um and so that's where we were and so these people came up this was in now they were coming in july so this was june they come in july um they're playing they're doing their thing and um <laughs> One of the, the missions pastor uh, pulled me aside one day. Now, this would have been, I don't know, Wednesday, probably. Um, yeah, it had to be a Wednesday. A Wednesday and um, said to me, um, I cannot believe you are in such a, basically, you know, nice hotel. That's where your church is going to be. You really need to be out in the park. We have a park called Air Square. Um, you need to be on the park and you need to be ministering to the homeless and the drug addicts and anybody else that's out there. You know, um, that is where you should be. You shouldn't be in here. You should be out there. Wow. And um, I was taken back. I was really taken back. And it did, you know, now and shortly after that, when I had some time to get my thoughts together, um, it makes sense because that's what their ministry is. They're from Huntington Beach area and that's what they do. They start at 12 at night and they, they go till six in the morning and they're ministering to those type of people. But that wasn't our calling. And that's what I told them. Our calling is to university and it's a university town Galway. Um, 
so to university students and to young adults, you know, to families. And so um, young families. And so that is our calling. Well, they didn't like that. And they left mm. that they left. I mean, they just left. So none of the, the little cards got passed out. Nobody knows we're here. Oh, no. We're starting on Sunday morning. And so, <laughs> so you got uh, in there because they were there and now you're about to have Sunday and they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. So we have a building. Nobody knows we're there. And so no, nothing, nothing's happened. So it was just like they never showed up except for frustration. And so, um, um, so I'll go to Sunday, but I'm gonna, and then I'll go back to what happened. So Sunday morning, I set my family down. We had a young lady who was out here visiting us who was thinking about joining uh, our worship team. And so, and so uh, she came out two or three times actually, she's lovely. And so um, I sit them down Sunday morning and I say, um, guys, don't know why God's done this. Don't feel bad for dad, but nobody will be here. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's coming to church today. Yeah. Nobody knows we're here. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to go to the hotel and we're going to have church at the hotel. Okay. Family devotions in a hotel. <laughs> With the beautiful With my, people. <laughs> my four children, my wife, uh, Jennifer, and my mom. My mom was visiting as well. <laughs> and so that was it. That was the audience. And so, it's 11.30 was the church at that time. Um, and so it's about 11.20. And there was also an African church in the hotel at the time. Okay. And so 11.20, the largest human being you've ever seen comes walking through <laughs> the doors. He's an African man. He has a young girl. He's holding her hand. And he walks up to me and says, um, where's the church? Now, I'm not going to assume, yeah. you know. So I said, what church are you looking for? I said, there's two churches in the hotel. He goes, I'm looking for the American church. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Shocked me beyond. And I said, well, it's behind me. It's right here. And I said, we'll start in, you know, 10 minutes. And so, okay. So he goes in. By the time 1130 comes around, there's about 20 some people in the church. Wow. So what happened was, and again, this is what God's been doing for the last I mean, we don't, I mean, we're just, to this day, 20 years later, we just kind of slip and slide and fumble and bumble our ways. And God is just constantly just showing himself so faithful. So it was the Thursday before that. It was the day after that conversation I had with that missions minister. It was the next day. My, my mom and, and, and Jennifer and Rebecca would go out um, because they, the, the two girls, ladies have been here for a while. They would come out for like three months. And so um, every Thursday was women's, they had a little morning out together and they were sitting at a, at a, at a news agent um, and uh, they were looking at some things and this American woman comes in, hears the accent, comes over and talks to them and said, oh, are you here on holidays? No, no, we're, Rebecca tells her what we're doing here. And the woman goes, oh my gosh, she goes, I've been here for a year. I teach at the university. I teach ESL at the university. I was just praying this morning. I'm going home. I'm actually going back on Monday. She goes, um, my, my stint is over here. She goes, but I was just praying that God would bring a church that would teach God's word, you know, book by book. And she goes, I cannot believe this. Well, that was it. She left. We didn't know. She went back to the university and told a bunch of people to come and support, even non-believers. I mean, there were people that have never even heard Jesus that day, you know, they came to church. <laughs> yeah. But it turned out, 
that three of the people that came that day were actual people. Everybody else had left. The, the course was finished. They left. They went back to their countries. But there were three people that were Galwegians, and um, they stayed. And from that point on, it's they started inviting people to the church. Well, and and as I know, and you know, obviously much better. I mean, it is a very difficult thing to to ask Irish people to go to a church that doesn't look like a church to go to a Bible study, what does that mean? To go to, you know, I mean, like the, the amount of like weirdness that that is, you know, for at least in my, my experience, and I, I think certainly in your experience, but like how unusual, right? I mean, I think, what is it, less than 1% or about 1% of the population? Less than 1%, yeah, less than 1%. Is yeah. sort of evangelical or whatever, yeah. whatever the bubble sure. is you would have come from that would even be in any way familiar with any of that, right? That music right. or something like that. Um, and so just the difficulty of like asking or, or of, of seeing Irish people, you know, like come into a hotel to go to church, it just seems like such a bridge too far for so many people. Um, having tried to, as you remember, like starting a Bible study out of my apartment when I was there um, was like, I mean, people looked at me like, what's wrong with you? Like, first of all, like, why do you care? Like, you're young, you're not supposed to be interested in. Yeah, exactly. Religion, right. <laughs> yeah. But like, wh why would someone go to your house? Like, <laughs> like it sounded so culty and so yeah. unbelievably weird that people, I mean, people, people just look at me like I had like, four we were just, a, we were a step above you though. We were, we weren't out of the apartment. We were in a hotel. Yeah, we were just, okay, so you weren't saying, Hey, come over to my creepy house. Yeah. You were saying like, Hey, even though you have this, these beautiful, for example, stone churches, historic yeah. churches in a deeply historically religious space, you're saying actually <laughs> churches in the hotel. No, no, no. <laughs> There's something new God's doing. <laughs> so, so as far as the, the challenges of bringing the word to an Irish nation that, of my understanding, my experience, which is much less, but um, rapidly secularizing, I mean, fleeing. The, oh, it's, it's completely it's, secular. Yeah, so completely second. But to be fair, fleeing a history of, of church abuse, fleeing a history of church, uh, what it feels like church oppression of, of the church having kept in people's minds that country, like yeah. in the dark, you know, and in, and in really difficult places with deep, dark stories that, you know, you can understand why many people would want to flee a certain kind of history. Yeah. Um, of of what the church meant in Ireland to many people over time, especially in the in the last few decades, but but a a country that maybe more rapidly than any other in Europe, fleeing its religious um, past into a secular future, and you guys are showing up not just with religion, but with one that people don't recognize in the way that you're doing it, one that seems even weirder or maybe worse, seems so American seems so like oh we got our own rock music with christian stuff on it like seems so sort of entertainment-y or you know whatever the the mega stuff that we would have yeah come yeah um like in my experience the irish are like 
are you kidding? Like, are you people on drugs? Like why, why, when they see sort of our televangelists, when they see our mega world of church land and bubbles and things like that, my experience at least was that they just like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like you people don't seem connected to reality. And so yeah. why would you be coming over here to invite us into something that we've already had and we're deciding as a, as a country we're getting a, away from and then you show up from America saying, no, 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 stop in at the hotel. <laughs> so I mean, there's, so, there's team coffee afterwards. <laughs> so what, so what are the very real challenges, <laughs> Ray? I mean, your last name works for you. You said it all. Your last name works for you and then you start talking, right? Like yeah. you have Clancy as a last name and then and you have the most California American. <laughs> vibe imaginable which is fun but it's not serious to them you know it's it's yeah. like oh that's interesting sunny california you know the movies and stuff like that but it's yeah. not like oh you know what a serious place of wisdom yeah they think you're mad they think you're absolutely mad leaving california they think california la is like heaven right they think you're mad for coming to galway the wettest i mean we, we, it rains 310 days out of the year here you know, so so yeah okay so the the cultural clash the cultural challenge you talked to we were home you're homeschooling your kids at first you're trying to preserve some sense of normalcy for them but they're coming out of that christian bubble so yeah. they're also clashing crashing into yeah. a secular youth culture they had their own things going their own battles going on the kids right. yeah. so so tell me about like maybe those early collisions which you know i mean you're that's why you're there um, you brought them there. You and Rebecca have, have signed up for, for this, as far as you understood it, obviously. Yeah. Um, what are those early challenges of just cultural co collisions? You know, it's funny. Again, we were so unprepared for this. We, ne we never went to missionary classes. We never, yeah, we were just so unprepared. God has been so gracious. So the children, um, you know, um, our oldest son, um, pretty much a chameleon. He was probably the one that had the hardest time adjusting being 10, um, but also adjusted the fastest and um, became very involved with, you know, loves the Lord, wrote, wrote some wonderful worship songs. Um, but he also got involved in a secular band, started a secular band with three of his friends and they made it really big. They toured the country, um, won the Coca-Cola challenge. And nice. um, so he did real well. And, and, um, uh, fitted really well and so he was able to be a testimony in that way with with some of his friends our daughter is very black and white and so um yeah if you're not walking you know <laughs> poor baby she had a she had the heart the hardest time you yeah. know because she's a very black and white loves the lord with all her heart um and um no comp you're just there's no compromise in, in your walk i mean that's it and if and yeah, even if you're a non-believer, I mean, there's just no compromise. This is the way things are done. And you, yeah, she she had a lot of head-to-head -head clashes because they started to go to just the area school, right? They yeah, if, um, Philip, you know, if you're thinking about homeschooling your children, there's there's children that can be homeschooled and there's children that can't be homeschooled. Right. Uh, Philip never was made to be homeschooled. He is a social butterfly, and um, yeah, we had to put Philip in school probably weeks after he got here but it was probably a couple months right. um he we, someone was gonna get hurt and so um you know 11 o'clock at night he's still doing he's still doing his homework from that day you right. know and so um 
yeah, so Philip was put in the in, in school pretty quick. The kids, we lived in Salt Hill for four years um, until the um, the euro came in, and the it just the dollar became so weak that yeah. we had to control the controllables. The family was getting bigger, um, and so we decided to move out to the country, bigger home, cheaper rent, and so. Um, once we moved out to the country, it's a different than, the, than, I mean, even though it's only 30 minute drive, it's a whole different world, as you know. And so um, it's a simpler life. And, and so we put the children in a, a small country school. I mean, like Alex's graduating class would have been for sixth grade would have been um, six people. I think Josh's was three people, Wow. you know. And so these are um, old schools or these Catholic schools, technically. These, these were Catholic schools. Yeah. Um, but, um, again, God gave us huge favor with the principals and, um, we wanted our children to get involved. We wanted them to know the culture they lived in. So it kind of goes back to your original question. I mean, again, we were prepared. We, we had no training all again. All we knew was that God was telling us as, as that we become Irish. Most American churches that come over here, they're, they're they want you to become American. Right. Um, and in our night, just being naive and just not, you know, we just knew that we had to become Irish. And so, and we also knew that our children were going to be a huge force in our ministry. Um, they're the ones that we're going to be meeting people or families with. Um, uh, our kids got involved, involved in Irish sports. Uh, Alex was involved in um, Irish dancing. She was involved in um, Gaelic football. And Josh was involved in hurling. He was involved in rugby. You know, Aaron was involved in soccer. And so um, we met people through all these things. I mean, because... Irish life, particularly in the country, it's all around the parish. Right. So if you're not in the parish, you're not involved in parish life. You're really outside of everything. You right. don't know what's going on in the community. Right. But being part of the sporting life kept us within the community, kept us in not quite the heartbeat, but it kept our finger on things. And so um, we got to know people sincerely. I mean, sincere relationships. Not that we just were, the last thing we were trying to do was build our church, you know, um, we just wanted to know people and we wanted them to know us because like you said, they couldn't put a finger on us. They, they thought we were, we had no TV, which in, you know, Irish families have four or five TVs. Um, we had no TV. Our kids had to be home for dinner and we did devotions at night. So, um, that was just weird to everybody, you know? And so, um, they had, and they had no box to put us in because we're Catholic we weren't Presbyterians. We weren't Baptists. All the things they knew, Methodists, we were just evangelical Christians, you know? And so, so it was very, very different for them. They had no box to put us in. The challenges, we came here thinking that um, we were going to be ministering to Catholics. It turned out the early, now we've had, we call it, we have different seasons in our church. The first seasons of our, our, our church, or the first season of our church was mainly ministering because of the people God brought that first Sunday. Uh, was mainly ministering to Christians who have been hurt by other ministries, who have been used and abused by heavy shepherding, um, name it and claim it. Um, sadly, they were American churches. And so these people were sucked dry. They were just, they loved the Lord, but they were sick of organized Christianity. And so they hadn't been to church in years. So I would say the first two and a half years of our church was um, very sick people, very, a lot of fighting, people fighting amongst themselves. Nobody trusted anybody that when they, you know, uh, they couldn't believe we didn't ask for money. I mean, to this day, we just have a box in the back, you know? And so um, it wasn't about money. It was about Jesus. It was about 
you want to know about the Bible, you know, and if you want to know more, we have a Bible study on Wednesday nights, come to our house on Wednesday nights, you know. So that was the first two and a half years was um, just very, very sick Christians coming to the church. Um, abused Christians, probably a better word. Then it was interesting. Then after that, um, because of these people, we got a lot of Irish, probably the most Irish we ever had in our church. Uh, we had a huge Irish influx coming to our church. That was the second season. Um, and that was very shortly before you came. And now um, more and more people, as you've said, who still love the Lord, they're Catholics who love the Lord, but who are so frustrated by so many things that are going on in the church are starting now to listen. You know, some people have used it as an excuse to just walk away, you know, sure. and just other people are, you know what, I know this is the truth, but this can't be the way. Would you say, I mean, you're, so raising kids, you're, you're all in as a family. When I met you guys, I mean, the first greatest thing about you guys was your family liked each other. And you and Rebecca, your marriage was like lovely to me. Just you guys loved each other. You laughed. Your whole family laughed together. Like there was a, it was a family like I hadn't seen before. Uh, I come from a very good strong family um but the camaraderie or the friendship in the family and i and i think maybe because you were you were so unique all of you were so unique but you were unique together in this like this new venture this new adventure this new thing um but the closeness of your family the closeness of your marriage the again just the friendship of that home um, and being over your house and like, like with things you said, like seeing a family that does devotions and, but it's not like we mu children, we must now do devotion. You know, it wasn't like that <laughs> creepy sort of like, you know, whatever, like that, that yeah. image of a guy who is like, I am a pastor. And so these are things we must all do together. But it was like, I don't know, there was just a, a joy and a fun and even a light, a lightness about you guys being together. That to me was one of the most compelling things I've ever seen. Like it made me as a, a young single guy, more excited about getting married someday than I ever had been. Like it, it was mm. just, like, Oh, look at that. Like if I could ever have a marriage like that, you know, like well, this, this looks just, this just looks better. You know, it looks, it doesn't look like, you know, this, this painful, sad thing. It looks like they are having fun following Jesus, but being a family together in this play. That's great. You know? Yeah. That is very good. Thank you. But that testimony, you know, because I, as, as you had, I come from a world in which there's a church on every corner and, and there's many churches on every corner teaching the Bible passage by passage, verse by verse, right? We both come out of that same denomination. Right. Right. Um, and so the, the thing that struck me as new was more about your family and your, your guys' marriage and how that was just sort of like a breath of air and like fun and light. And, and yet it wasn't, like the Lord wasn't a part of that. The Lord was at the center of that, but almost seemed to keep things so sort of enjoyable because you were up to what you knew to be the good, true things, but you were all, you know, more or less, you know, you were up to it together. And yeah. so it wasn't like you were, I don't know, there just wasn't the tension or the struggle it felt like from the outside um, over what mattered, what didn't matter. You know, it's like there were certain things that were settled and it seemed like it just freed you guys up to, 
to take on a very wild and very strange set of experiences that you were all facing individually too, you know, as I understood. Yeah. But, we were facing it individually, but we faced it as a family. Yes. I mean, so again, the grace of God, there is, there is no parenting class here. And it was even like one time we had somebody come over from some missions organization because they heard about our church. And he goes, can I take you out on Monday for lunch? I just want to hear what, how you're doing with this. How did you get all this going? And I said, I, you don't have to take me for lunch. I'm saying, I'm saying this humbly and sincerely. Yeah. Uh, we have nothing to do with this. This is all God because we don't know what we're doing. It's just God, you know, and it's this, you know, so the family was, yeah, the fam all the kids had their individual struggles. Um, not the two youngest boys because they basically aren't, Joshie was only three. He, he's Irish, as Irish as can be. And Aaron was only 10 months, so he's known nothing but Ireland. So they, they didn't leave friends in America. They didn't, you know, they've known nothing but. So the two youngest boys are Irish. Um, I think they find going to America more of a challenge. Um, but the two, the two, yeah. And uh, I always tell people that for the first two and a half years, there was probably, um, first two years, there was probably crying every night when mm. we came over here. Somebody was crying every night, you know, and so, about but, being in this new place about being in this new yeah left and yeah. yeah leaving friends leaving grandmas you know leaving cousins and all that and so um leaving their house you know and so um it was it was very very tough but we had each other and that's all we had was each other because and i and i remember and that's one of the ministries we started was like you know i remember our, our first christmas there and then our first resurrection sunday and all these things and you would watch people leaving and families coming over and there was no one for us. Now, that's not being, oh, poor us. It was a choice I made, Rebecca and I made, but it was, I felt really hard for the children. And so, you know, to this day, I, we, Christmas morning, we open our house up for, you know, our college students who aren't going home. And I don't want anybody to be alone. I don't want anybody to have that feeling, you know? And so um, Rebecca's very good at opening up the house and having a full meal for anybody who comes over, you know? And so, um, yeah. Uh, it was, thank you. That was, yeah, God's grace and all that. The commitment to becoming Irish, right? It is different. I know you don't even want to use the term missionary because it has such a bad taste there um, for fair reasons, right? Or, but the commitment to not making people like you, but to come to a place and to, and to love and adopt the place as your place and to say, you know, this is our home. This is these these are the people we're committed to rather than these are the people we're going to make like us that that whole right. that, the fact that you started off with that you know it seems like you laid the rest some battles that people accidentally fought for years in other ministries the the commitment to follow through to become Irish citizens which happened not too long ago right 2012 for me 2012 okay so it's crazy how time goes no, by. Flies by like that, yes. Okay, so, so, but becoming Irish citizens, making, you know, continuing with that, but to be a pastor there who was unable to work, um, to not having been sent by a church that's supporting you financially, to, yeah. you know, just the practical things of like paying rent and finding, you know, I know Rebecca's working nowadays, um, right. but, but for years and years and years, right. no. you're just, how are you even uh, able to be there? Yeah. I mean, these are just, oh, these are all, again, God's works of grace in our life to strengthen our faith. Because, I mean, I, I, I remember, again, the early days when we lived in Salt Hill. So, again, that was the first four years, five years, you know, 
I remember after the family went to bed, I would go out and I would sit on <laughs> the wall of our front of our house and just, and for the, I would, that's the only time I would cry. I wouldn't let them see it, but I would start crying. You know, how am I going to support the family? Where's the money going to, you know, Lord, what am I, what are we doing? <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So for the, you know, we had about 10 months worth over, um, friends and family were very, very good, but I still remember the day that, um, we ran out of money we had for the first time we were just all we were buying is cartridge an ink cartridge um over at i think pc world or something like that and and um i used my atm card my american atm card and and they declined no uh, insufficient funds no. and and i went oh my gosh and i had to be honest though, this is how immature i was but i mean silly but i never checked our bank account because i was terrified because there was no money coming in all there was was money going out so I never checked our account, never, ever checked our account. I never wanted to look at it. It just freaked me out. So I got home and I checked our account and it was exactly that. I was in the negative and I just remember, and there was friends that were supporting us. And there was a couple churches that were supporting us. And I called a church that I hadn't heard from in a while, very good friend. And, um, and I asked him, I said, would you, um, would you happen to have any checks that you haven't deposited in a while? And he said, I know I do. And I heard him open the door of a desk that we left him um, um, from California. And I hold him up the door and he goes, he adds it all up. And he goes, yeah, I've got about $5,000 here. <laughs> and I just thought, God, and God was, and he's done that ever since. I mean, so at, uh, Every year, what we had to do is we, when we being here at this point, things have changed now, the immigration laws. But at that point, um, you had to go in every year and get a stamp. We were on a stamp three. And a stamp three basically was, like you said, um, you weren't allowed to work. You weren't allowed to have a job, a creative business. You weren't allowed to generate income here. It had to come from outside. And that was it. So none of us were allowed to work. And so it was strictly coming from America. And so, um, yeah, God is amazing. He just, I mean, again, 20 years. I mean, that was the only, and we've had a few scares like that, but we've never gotten to the negatives. But um, yeah. As a, as, a, as a man who left careers that were successful, a church that was incredibly uh, booming in, in, in a variety of ways, um, you are now living just so desperately close to the bone, um, having those moments or those nights, as you're saying, where it's just like, you know, you, you're just before the Lord in really tough moments, feeling responsible for your family and all the things, the decisions you've made that's affected them. Um, and as a pastor, uh, you know, the pastoral life is one of a lot of letdowns, a lot of promises that aren't kept. A lot of hurts, yes. A lot of, a lot of pain, just a lot of pain that is beyond the normal pains of family yes. and, and things. It's it's a host more of people and a lot of heavy heart. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the challenge of of bearing that and wrestling with that and holding that before the Lord, but also for someone who is dispositionally shy and a little more withdrawn um, as a personality. Um, was was the shyness a, a protection in some ways, or 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 did you just have to learn 
the hard ways of how to just be a pastor who who bears with people and then and then as I know you know as people who come and people certainly go after yeah. after bearing with them through the hardest things of life and then they're gone and and yeah. to keep going Some of them don't say goodbye yeah <laughs> to keep they just leave yeah to keep going when your heart is regularly given out and bearing with and everything like that but has no guarantees in yes. the human sphere of of commitment or reciprocal relationships or anything like that um, to serve the Lord, but to bear with people in all those tough places with all our inconsistencies. Um, what have been the hardest challenges for you as a pastor, as a, just as a person um, in the last 20 years? I mean, congratulations, by the way, 20 years Thank is a celebration of your guys's commitment and certainly the Lord's, uh, grace to you guys and to that ministry, but what what has been the hardest for you? One of the hardest things for me, and it's interesting, is right when I first met you, David. I don't know if you remember. Um, I remember the first three, four times going back to America and going back to our home church, and my senior, the senior pastor, asking me, um, "Are you a pastor yet?" I'm like. Oh in my back of my head, I'm thinking like, what do you mean? I mean, yeah. I mean, this church is like, you know, eight years old and I would always say, yeah. And he goes, no, no. Are you, are you a pastor yet? And I would say, yeah, yeah. Very angry, you know, not angry, but frustrated, you know, and, um, was it until 2009? So I don't, when, when did I first meet you? It had to be 2005, 2006. Yeah. So, um, the church went through a real hard time. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, God, what people meant for evil, God meant for good. And so um, 2009 is when everything changed in the ministry for me. And um, God just did this work of grace in my heart um, where now I'm a pastor. And now I completely understand what um, my pastor was saying, asking me. Um, I wasn't a pastor then. First, I was a teacher. I love teaching. And you, I, I, you would maybe amen this or not. I was easily able to just lock myself up into a room Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, <laughs> study, have my best friends around me, my books, and then on Sunday, teach, yeah. close it, benediction, I'm out of here. <laughs> See you next week. Enjoy the sandwiches. Tell me how they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me how everything is. I'm out. Um, that is what I love doing. I love studying and I love teaching. And um, but I did not like to pastor. I used to say horrible. Oh my gosh. So horrible. Pastoring would be great if there was no people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, 2009 and, and, and sadly, because I was just starting to come out of that. God was just starting to bring me out of this and doing a work in my heart. When I first met you, 2009 is when it all changed. God just did like a whole, took out a heart and put it on a new heart where now, I love everyone. I pray for everyone always. I constantly, you just, you're, they're on your mind when you go to sleep, you know, you wake up, you're constantly thinking of people in the church. Um, you're worried about their children, you, you know, their marriages, um, the, the students in the university who are five, 6,000 miles away from home, making sure, you know, they're well, uh, you know, their parents are looking at you like, you know, we, we, we we're comfortable because we know they're with you. That has been probably, that was probably 
one of the biggest challenges transitioning from being a teacher to a pastor would have been one of the biggest challenges early on it was my family moving into this new cultural challenges like you mentioned those are two i'm sure if i sat here and i thought for a few minutes there are probably even better ones but i mean those are two that come to my head very quickly well maybe i could ask this and this is interesting because i think part of your ability to do the things the lord's called your family to do was that you you were naive about a lot of it and so so the lord is going to keep you <laughs> you know not knowing Good word. Much. <laughs> as you were entering into things because because you know there's a classic question of like oh if you knew now what you knew you know whatever what would you tell yourself 20 years ago when you showed up don't do it no don't do it. but that's but that's kind of what no. i mean is, yeah it, no, I would do that. like i would love so i want you to answer that question like what would you tell yourself you know in those early years of coming over there that you would encourage yourself with or be able to tell yourself if anything but acknowledging that the lord uses our naivete um, to actually get us to do things that we otherwise yeah. might be totally unwilling or afraid to do because we yeah. know too much about it or we'd be you yeah. know it would be too, too much of the flesh too much yeah so yep. so maybe there's so i i don't even know exactly where that is but would you Tell yourself anything in particular uh, about those early years, if you could give yourself advice or whatever. Yeah. What do you, is there something there or is it like, you know yeah. what? No, there is. Yeah. I mean, I remember it was uh, the very first Thanksgiving um, out here. So this would have been again, 2000, the November of 2000. And we went to a, pa uh, a, a church planner, a Baptist gentleman. Um, he had just moved here from Austria. He was ministering in Austria for 23 years. He was an older man. And, and wife and um, this they were missing their family they wanted their grandchildren so they invited us over um, to have Thanksgiving with them because they wanted the little ones they wanted to hear little ones in their house yeah and so we were talking and he said to me a wise man I mean I, I, I don't want to assume how old he was but he had to be in late 60s 70s at this point a wise man been in ministry for 40 some years and he looked at me and said I would never have done what you did he goes I've been here now as long as you've been here I will not probably start a church for another two years until I have a team. Um, I, what you did was, um, it's hard. It's hard on your family. It's hard on you. And so I look at that advice and I would almost want to say that to my, to myself, you know, don't do that. I wouldn't do the same way now. I'd wait for a team. But with that said, <laughs> the growth I had by having to fall on the floor before the Lord and watch what he's done when I have no power. I had no power to change anything. I had no power to, we had no power to start a church, no power to be able to sustain ourselves here, no power to keep this church going. Um, it's just been watching God and just growing in faith. You know, um, I don't ever, I would never want to lose that. You know, would that substitute, is that making what I did right? I don't know. Um, I would definitely tell someone else, I would tell them, you'd have to wait. You should wait. Don't do that to your wife and children. Uh, have a team with you. It's much, it's much wiser. But God in his grace, I wouldn't want to uh, lose what we've learned in 20 years, where I think we're all way stronger Christians because of, of the foolishness, the naiveness, <laughs> the ignorance, um, and God just saying, 
the verse I use all the time when I sign birthday cards for the, you know, we give birthday cards out to our, everyone in the church and, um, or whenever I'm doing anything, it's always, you know, uh, my grace is sufficient. Like second Corinthians 12, nine, my grace is sufficient because in your weakness, <laughs> we have been weak for 20 years and he has showed how mighty he is in those 20 years. Like the testimony you said that we were to you. I mean, how humbling that is because again that has nothing to do with Rebecca when I mean, we were we were on the verge of divorce I mean God resurrected a marriage you know and so no we've had no control over anything yeah amen to that and and thank you for for doing what the Lord asked you to do even or especially when it when it cost a lot or asked a lot um, or was just so surrounded by uncertainty um, because I know, I know with any ministry, you know, it isn't, it doesn't just bless the people who are still there right now. It, it really does bless everyone who passes through in its own way, even when it's not obvious. I mean, the fact that I was only there for what, like a handful of months, really, ultimately, you know, is an extraordinary testimony to just, you were being faithful in this place. And there are so many people like me who just passed through for a season or something, but saw something, heard something, or just knew, okay, like you can live this Christian life and, and have joy. You can have a marriage that has joy. You can, you can do hard things for the Lord and still have joy. Like, Amen. You know, Absolutely. Our friendship, you know, is, <laughs> is as much laughter as it is any substance. <laughs> you know, I mean, true. And, and that's not always the case, you know, with church folk yeah. or with religion, you know, with like people get ambitious, they're serious, they're, they're a little, you know, maybe too um, focused on their thing, building their little world. And, you know, like the lightness and the openness to the Lord translates as an openness to people, as an openness to the world that has a different flavor and has a different aspect that isn't put upon and isn't affected and isn't it's not being tried to achieve right it's not some goal it's just a result of people who are just knowing that man by by his grace we are anything at all and Amen. absolutely so i just really appreciate the i i appreciate the uh, aftershocks and the effects of your faithfulness as a family in my own life for lisa and maybe maybe this is a place we could we could kind of close it up for this 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 conversation. If we were looking forward, you have twenty years, and we've been looking back. Um, yeah. We're looking forward. The the church in general in Ireland, the the call to bring the gospel to Ireland, the the things that are on your heart for the people of Ireland. You're now a citizen. Your kids are citizens. The ones who were born there, obviously, but but your family is is irish and and has committed to to loving and being that um like looking forward what do you hope for what are your prayers or what are your what would you say to people who are maybe wondering how could we be praying for ray and rebecca how could we be praying for the little church in galway how, how could we pray for just the lord's work in that particular place yeah one would be we I, we really have a desire to see another study starting in the country. Um, again, there you can go miles. This is not Southern California where a stone throw you get into church. Now, when you're in the city, you know you're probably talking in Galway City now. Ethnic churches, denominational churches, non-denominational churches. You're probably looking at thirty some churches now. You know, in the city, uh, we're not technically in the city we're in salt hill so we're the only church in salt hill um 
So we don't want to, you know, the work there, God's grace will continue. Um, but we'd love to see one out in Claire Galway area, in the country area. Um, because from there, even as far as the evangelical church, there's nothing until you get to another county, you know, and so that would be lovely. And so love to see uh, another, at least one, and that's our prayer. Um, for the last three years, we've been praying about that. Almost have had it started a couple times. And so we'll see what God's doing. Number two would be, I would love to see the men in our church. This is, this is a, a fine one because they real, really are leaders. I mean, you know, most of the men in the church, they really are leaders. They love the church and they love the Lord. Um, and so they do everything without the titles, you know? So in one way I can't complain, you know? So am I just looking for guys who have titles, you know? Um, we've got the guys who are elders and do the work of elders. We have the guys who are deacons and doing the work of deacons. I would just love to see um, them step up, you know, step up and own it. Um, or God bring like-minded, like-minded men into our fellowship, you know? Yeah. So I would love to see that. I would love to see my beautiful wife. I mean, she, she works so hard. Yeah. I'd like to see somebody take over worship for her. Yeah. Um, somebody gifted that would be able to, to, um, take over worship. She's, she's tired, <laughs> you know? And so she works uh, full time and then, and then leads ministry. And so she knows my heart and I would always want her, um, would love her to always be a part of it, but I would love to see someone come in and just, um, step up, take the ministry, lead the ministry. Um, God, just the guys step up and definitely, um, Claire Galway now, if that's God's will, maybe there's someone else, maybe, maybe I'm missing the area, but my heart is even for Europe. I mean, Europe is, it's dark. I mean, it's, it's less than 1% Christian. Um, so if someone in our church said to me, Hey, I mean, I'm thinking about going to <laughs> somewhere in Europe and planning a church, we'd be 100% behind them, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, but, um, those are the three biggest, um, burdens, prayers yeah. on my heart right now. If you were to do the impossible task um, and summarize um, the Lord's work in Ireland and your life and your family's life and church, um, how would you summarize that? His grace is sufficient. Yeah, it is completely God, all to God's glory. I have a tagline that I use on when I everything I send out, you know, by his grace alone, through his, you know, through faith alone, to his glory alone. And um, that is it. I mean, I want, we want, we want nothing. We just want him to be, be all the glory because we could, we could never, we would be stupid. I mean, not just, you know, spiritually stupid and theologically stupid, but we really would if we took any credit for anything because we, we just can't. <laughs> so it, it is truly his grace. It is truly sufficient. Yeah. Amen. That's our time, my friends. If you would like to support the podcast, please do subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And if you would like even more content and to become a patron of the podcast, head on over to FromBabylonWithLove.com, click on Newsletter, and sign up there. Until then, many thanks to producer Zach Leach for all the twists and turns, and to Lonesome and Muddy, the only house band that'll survive the apocalypse. This has been From Babylon 
with 